0: Welcome to Give Him Hell, Brigham. Jeff, you have informed me that after our discussion about last week about COVID's 1 through 18, Mm -hmm. we have an update on one Nugent, Ted, re-COVID. We do. Ted Nugent, uh, after being really upset that his tour was canceled because of COVID, COVID COVID-19 specifically, and he publicly wondered why did we shut down for COVID-19 and not COVID-1 through 18? He's been a pretty outspoken uh, COVID denier, I guess is maybe the right way to put it. Like he he has not been a believer. Well, he caught COVID. I mean, it's probably easy to see why. Like, I'm kind of uh, wondering how he didn't get it before now. Like it's yeah, kind of I mean, impressive valid, he made it this far. Very valid question. And look, regardless of how you feel about uh, whether COVID is overblown or whatever. Like, I don't think there's any denying that like COVID is a sickness. Where it came from, sure, debate it. You know, how how severe is the sickness? Yeah, sure, debate it. But it's a sickness, like it's real, it exists. And uh, anyway, he caught the virus. And so after mocking people who wear masks as sheep and, and calling the pandemic a scam, saying that the death toll is bullshit, here is Ted Nugent talking about Covid, he said. I had flu system or flu symptoms for the last ten days, and I thought I was dying. Just a cluster f. I got the Chinese shit, he said. What a pain in the ass! I could hardly crawl out of bed for the last few days. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like after yesterday, because I got my second Pfizer shot on Monday. Mm, that's what dude. I felt like yesterday morning. Yeah. Okay. But it was Apparently, that is Nugent. what a comeuppance. I, I do think it's funny, man, like, uh, I it, it just kind of is the, the, I don't know who it is, whether it's God, whether it's Mother Nature, like, I don't know who's controlling these things. But any of these celebrities that are far one way or the other, right, far left wing, far right wing, whatever, it seems like anytime they come out and they mock whatever is happening, invariably, it happens to them within like a week or two. And so he comes out, he, he mocks COVID-19 and then lo and behold, here we are. He gets COVID-19. Uh, maybe, maybe he learned that COVID's one through 18 weren't a thing during his bout with COVID-19. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he was hallucinating. Maybe he realized like, Oh my gosh, I did have COVID-16. I have felt this before and COVID-19 made him remember like Ted Nugent's done some weird stuff. And so, I don't know, man. Like, it's uh, it's interesting to me. Like, what could have happened? But uh, good. it sounds like he's back on the mend. He's doing Facebook Lives once again, which is great. Like, he is – I don't think he's particularly in shape these days, and he was 72 years old. So by most metrics, he would have been high risk. And so for him to contract the virus, feel like death, but seemingly get over it, good for him. The world needs Ted Nugent's. Even though he's a little crazy, even though he's out there rocking the boat, the world needs people who rock the boat. And yeah, well, so I mean, I'm glad he's okay. He's just, uh, you know, he's he rocks the boat. He's insane, but he's harmless, right? Like, yeah, he's purely yeah, yeah. there for entertainment purposes. His quotes are spectacular. Like, I, I kind of wish that I was on the Ted Nugent beat, and I just got to cover him because... Uh, he's a fun interview and he doesn't hold back. Like whatever he's thinking, it doesn't matter whether you agree or not or whatever, but what, he'll say exactly what he's thinking. It's like a little bit Jose Canseco-ish. Like he'll just say whatever pops into his mind and I kind of dig it. Like it makes it fun to follow. And so, I I mean, I, I, I would be sad if that's gone. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm also... It's got to be, he's got to be pretty like a straight edge, like fairly healthy, just because of the era when Ted Nugent was popular. Mm -hmm. Like if he was doing what all the other musicians of his day did, his body, like he would be falling apart by now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it's, I think he's probably fairly healthy for a 72 year old, especially one who was touring with who knows how much booze and drugs for 40 years. Oh, yeah, for a very long time. Um, We haven't talked about this. I don't think we've ever talked, and this is not on the agenda. And it's not directly tied to Ted Nugent, but it's kind of in the same mold of you just – it's like a spectacular disaster that you can't look away from. We're not going to get into the uh, George Floyd, Derek Chauvin verdict. You you guys know we're not going to delve into that. But I did find it really entertaining this week – uh following oj simpson's thoughts on the trial oh i missed that yeah i don't like like, i don't know if i follow oj on twitter does he still have a twitter account oh he does and he still doesn't tweet he just does videos
1: okay and it's still
0: spectacular he had a thing about a week ago where he was really upset about the expert witness and he kind of talked about his own a little bit with expert witnesses uh he talked about the verdict and what he thought was going to happen, and his disgust. Anyway, I mean, just real fascinating stuff. OJ Simpson, the real OJ32, follow him. It, I think he makes, uh, I don't know what Twitter's stock price is, but like 20% of it is because of OJ. Like, I, just, I absolutely love OJ. I just followed him, and that. I um, will go through and inst- maybe instead of scrolling through TikTok tonight before I go to bed I'll scroll through OJ's Twitter feed. It'll, speaking speaking it'll of Twitter. While. I have you ever heard of steakums? Um, before I like 2 weeks had ago. Not before 2 weeks ago. No. Right. So steakums is apparently a uh, they basically it's like frozen cheesesteak ready to go. Like it's the, Sounds it's just, gross. it's just beef that is sliced super, super thin. And it comes like in a box, it's like sheets. And so, and it's just sliced super thin, ready to go and separated by parchment paper. So you don't have to deal, if you're making a cheesesteak, you don't have to slice it, whatever. So obviously it's not as good as like a fresh ribeye, but it's like, you know, the, yeah. sometimes you want like a, a really nice Polish sausage, but you're not going to say no to a hot dog, right? Like it's, it's the hot dog compared to an actual, you know. Like, okay. a, a, so their Twitter account is hilarious of posting things completely unrelated to, like, to their <laughs> brand. It's like, so it says like their pin tweet, this is the official Stakeum thread of threads to organize our top tweet store rants over the years. Topics include scientific literacy, critical thinking, memes, cognitive biases, woke brands, polarization, conspiracy theories, and more. Steakums is the give them hell brigham of frozen foods. I love it. We need more of us. So after this, I was said, you know what? I'm gonna go buy myself some damn steakums. And the is it any good? You know, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> like, because it sounds disgusting. No, me. I mean, it's just like it's meat. Like, the only ingredient listed on the package is beef. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not, so it's not like, I mean, I have a meat slicer, right? Like, I've made. Yeah like, like cheesesteaks, cheesesteaks, like gotten good ribeyes and like made good cheesesteaks. But considering it's like half the price per pound of what normally you'd pay for a ribeye and you don't have to slice it and deal with any of the cleanup. And I like, I mean, on f- last Friday or whatever, I had a cheesesteak for lunch that I made myself in less than five minutes. And so there's, you know, given the time trade off, okay. it's, okay. it has a place. And as I mean, I tossed it in the pan, whatever I seasoned it with some SPG and then tossed it in like in a bun with the melted some provolone on top. And it was, I had a cheesesteak in five minutes. So there's something to be okay. said. There's a home for that. Yeah. So, but they, yeah, so they've got all these different things. Go look through their pin tweet. You can go read through all of them and it's great so i mean we can go through and i initially saw this uh because they called out neil degrasse tyson for being stupid and told him to log off of twitter (laughs) that's why i saw it too and i I was like i couldn't i couldn't figure out why they were commenting on anything from neil degrasse titan tyson but this makes more sense now right and so i was so confused because i was like stagum and i knew honestly i saw stagum for some reason i thought it was like Milk bone, like the dog <laughs> brand. I thought it was like a meat version of milk bones, like dog <laughs> juice, Which I mean, it might be the same meat, if, if whatever. But it's <laughs> yeah. So it's like here's this very high quality content. Friendly reminder: in times of uncertainty and misinformation, anecdotes are not data. Good data is carefully measured and collected information based on a range of subject dependent factors, including but not limited to controlled variables, meta analysis, and randomization. Outliers attempting to counter global consensus around this pandemic with amateur reporting or unverified sources are not collecting data. Breaking news stories that only relay initial findings of an event are not collecting data. We have to be careful in our media consumption. It can be difficult to know what to believe in a time when institutional trust is diminished and the gatekeepers of information have been dismantled. But it's more crucial now than ever to follow a range of credentialed sources for both breaking news and data collection. All we have are limited and evolving metrics that experts are deciphering and act upon immediately to the best of their ability. This terrain leaves many openings for opportunists and charismatic manipulators to lead people astray by exploiting what they want to hear. It's about half the thread, but it's all very, very good. So I, they do not sponsor us, but we will sponsor their Twitter feed by referring yeah, okay. to them. Because it is very like, it is nonpartisan. It is not like, it is just very good, solid advice. So props to whoever is running the Stakeum social media feed. And actually, I want to get them on the show. I'm going to figure out who it is, and we're going to invite them to be on the show. You figure that out. The last thing of, of random stuff that I have to talk about, uh, you before the show started, you tried to mock Crocs a little bit. You did. There was no trying. You mocked Crocs a little bit. And I'm a Crocs guy.
1: Uh, I am sure said, as of
0: this week because well, you're, you're a, you're an elite Crocs guy. I'm a, give me the, give me the hard stuff, <laughs> regular Crocs. I only own Crocs because I saw that they sell some normal looking sneakers that are like mesh. And I was like, Oh, those probably comfortable. And they don't look like you're wearing Crocs. So, and I right. got them and they're very comfortable. Highly well, recommend the light ride pacer is the brand I, is the model. I just bought some because uh, your recommendation as we're sitting here talking, I bought some and I bought a pair for my wife, not the same brand, but actually they have flats. This is the Crocs women's Reviva slip on sneaker. So we're not sponsored by Crocs, but I sure want to be. I'm a Crocs guy. And let me tell you why I'm a Crocs guy this week. I made breakfast nachos and, I could go on and on about breakfast nachos and how they need to be a thing because they were spectacular. But the best part of the crocs and how that relates is I can just slip on a pair of crocs, walk outside, go do my whatever I'm doing. I did it on the Blackstone. But like I, there, as I was making my own potato chips, which I had never done before until this week. And did they the, were, the Blackstone got your skill, your calcium, like it got the oil hot enough to do it. Yeah, do you it have took, the took a little while, but it got. Do you have the stock hose on it, or have I you know switched the hose? The like uh, you know, I have to stock. Yeah, so yeah, apparently, yeah. there's one. I can send you the link because I saw someone post on Facebook. So right, the default that it comes, it caps out at like one psi of uh, like the pressure mm-hmm. of the propane coming through. For like twenty bucks on Amazon, you can swap it out for one that will go up to ten psi, and so you can make get your Blackstone like. I don't know, five, six times hotter than it can normally now. So you can crank that thing up if you want to. Uh, I didn't need to, but that's good to know because it did take a little while to get that hot. Uh, But anyway, as I was flipping these potatoes and making my chips, I splashed oil on my shoes. And the beauty of Crocs is you just wash them off with the hose. So they're super comfortable. They slip on and off and they just get clean they are like the perfect backyard barbecue shoe and i say this uh cam from bam bam's barbecue one time i got into a discussion because i am a very public croc lover happen forever and on twitter i was talking about my affinity for crocs and cam at bam bam's agrees for that exact reason now i don't know if cam listens or not cam if you do we need to get you as a sponsor we need to get you on the show come and, and teach us your ways like we, we need to work that out but i also want to hear your thoughts on crocs because it's important garrett i'm glad you've come this far but i need you to go one step further the thing is i already have a backyard pair of flip-flops so i do just it's not the same on. it's not the same you need a backyard pair of crocs and i promise you it will edify everything that Gosh, you do if Okay, if you buy them and order them to send them to my house, I will wear them. I, I I might need to do that because I I really believe that they are better. But breakfast nachos—that's what I made. That's my quarantine kitchen for the week is breakfast nachos. And I'm looking at the the pair right now that I ordered, and they are currently on sale for eleven dollars less than what I paid for them. So did you get here's... the gray ones that are forty eight bucks? Yep, that's what I got for yeah, forty eight bucks. I, I initially I ordered the navy ones, but they, oh, dang it. Those are back in, the, I ordered the Navy and uh, you might want to check the sizing because I ordered a, uh, like, North this, size and I had to go is, size this down. This isn't my first Crocs purchase. <laughs> okay, <there> you go. <laughs> Tell me I need but to check the sizing. then the Navy ones were out of stock in the size that I needed, but now they are back in stock and the ones that I ordered are cheaper. So Amazon, we got problems with your supply yeah, chain here. So Robbie McCombs, if you're listening to this, we're going to have a conversation about your crocs uh, supply uh, chain our, our resident uh, amazon expert but garrett breakfast nachos to bring the show back onto where our show goes quarantine kitchen i made breakfast nachos and really I, I i thought about nachos and and we i had had this thought several months ago that breakfast nachos need to be a thing and i think you were among the many at that point who taught me about chilaquiles that there is a Mexican. Is it a Mexican dish? Is it South American? I, I'm not sure, but whatever. It's, a chicken, a, it's a Mexican dish. Okay. So there is a Mexican dish um, that is like a Latin flair on nachos. Delicious, spectacular. Several months ago, you, you taught me about those. By the way, my wife just texted me. She heard us talking about Crocs and reminded me that on our honeymoon, I took her to the crocs outlet. That was part of like, we're doing stuff. We were just up in Park City. We did a cheap honeymoon, but I made it a point that I needed to go to the croc store. That's how big of a croc fan I am. It's a miracle that you got married. I mean, it's a miracle that I got married, but it's like doubly so. Oh yeah. There's without question. It's a, a really, really, I don't know how to explain it. Miracle is the only way. Uh, but these breakfast nachos, I wanted to have American breakfast nachos, right? Like I wanted it to feel like I was eating regular breakfast. So here's what I did I took potatoes. <laughs> I have become, we've talked about a mandolin slicer several times oh, on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal for slicing potatoes into perfectly the, the whatever the thickness of a potato chip should be. So I sliced up some potatoes and I fried them and I made potato chips. And then I, Just grilled, you know, like on the griddle, just bacon, sausage, eggs. And I can't remember what else I did. Some other breakfast related things. And then I made a sauce just with salsa. It was kind of just like a chipotle cream sauce, right? So just a little bit of sour cream, salsa, mix it together, add a little extra seasoning, some garlic, some salt, pepper. And I put those over the top and then just cheese. Brought that all together into like one big dish. And it was just like nachos, but it was breakfast nachos. The chips, I didn't salt the chips. So it wasn't like, I mean, you could, I guess, go grab a bag of Lay's and do it. But I didn't salt them at all because one, well, I'm getting salt from the bacon and sausage and things like that. But I wanted it to remind me of hash browns, right? Not right. necessarily remind me of a potato chip. It, I don't know why they're not on every menu everywhere. The, and if you are going to buy these pre-made chips, which I wouldn't follow you. Honestly, if you couldn't do it outside... I would not, you. I would not make my own chips unless I could do it outside because frying stuff indoors sucks. It gets everywhere, and your house will smell like oil. It's for true. like, think of how a fast food restaurant smells. That even is if you st- use a deep fryer, it's still yeah, that is the smell of oil, and it's going to get everywhere inside your yep. kitchen, and yep. it's going to be greasy and nasty. Get it outside. But if you're gonna do chips, get kettle chips so that way yep. they are a little meatier, little little crispier, and they will hold up better. Right. It's like, it's like when you make a waffle waffles need to be more well-done than pancakes because pancakes just soak up stuff right away. But a waffle, you get a well-done waffle. And then when you put the syrup on it, it brings it back a little bit. It like softens it up back to being perfect. If you have a perfect waffle, it'll be too mushy once it starts to soak up the syrup. So got to think that way with the chips, when it comes to nachos, you need a sturdier chip. So it doesn't just turn into mush right away I honestly enjoyed making the chips so much that I want to start making my own chips because like I made some just for fun and I put like barbecue rub on them after I made them so they are still a little oh my gosh it was why why am I not making that like why is every barbecue restaurant why is that not like the starter that goes on plates like it was or on at the table it was great there's uh there's a sports bar right down the street from my house that i frequently order food from and they they have on their menu they have some uh you know typical like pulled pork nachos but they they make their own in-house like potato chips and that is like they're kind of big side yeah yeah, they have and it's like and they are fantastic like there's just something different about a fresh chip with like it was good so much crunch you like i may have just broken a tooth but i don't know it's right I left, and I don't think this is normal, but I just did it because I was lazy, but I left the skin on the potato. And so because of that, the skin gets a little bit crispy, crispier faster. And I could intentionally, once I figured out what I was doing, intentionally leave the middles just a little bit soft, not like soft, but a little bit softer than the edge. And man, I'm telling you, it was great. It was really, really great. Uh, I was at work so in my job there aren't very many people like people know that i do you know cougar sports insider give them hell, break i like i'm not very bashful about it but i don't go around advertising it in my professional life um word got out very big byu fan uh ryan madsen if you've made it this far ryan here's a little shout out ryan decided he he said hey jeff big byu fan i want to listen to your show i listened to Dog cougars with jay catch you know friend of the show and he asked for the link to to our podcast, whatever. And I'm a little bit nervous, Ryan, because if this is the first episode you've listened to, I think we're about 25 minutes into this this episode and we have not yet talked about BYU anything. This is a BYU-related podcast. But if you are new to this show, you have to just be mentally prepared for us to talk about anything and everything i went on a podcast this week uh with some new yorkers a jets podcast to talk zach wilson and it was just all business it was great one thing i i actually didn't know that they were bringing me on to be a guest for the duration of their episode i thought oh, I was it just was like not a, an interview no well i mean it was but like it was like i was the in-studio guest and i was there forever and so it was a little bit weird unexpected i guess i should say it wasn't weird it was very comfortable or whatever but it was like 50 straight minutes of just like we're talking jets football and it was great like it was you know if that's what you're into if you just want to pick it up start talking football and then when you're done listening you're done talking football i'm sure that there is an audience for that they have a very big audience i think but i just man after like 30 minutes of it, it was like, when are we going to go on a tangent and rant about something? Because we've just been breaking down film and they're just hitting me with all these different questions about Zach Wilson. And it was, uh, I don't know, man, it felt a little dry. So if you want Ryan, if you're listening or anybody else, if you want to get our hard hitting analysis, Cougar sports insider is the place for that. We have all kinds of in-depth content all the time. The podcast It's a little bit like a variety show. We are always going to like the nucleus of this show is always going to be BYU athletics. But when you start getting into like the mitochondria of the cell of this show or the cytoplasm or whatever, some of these other, you know, for my eighth grade uh, biology class, the other parts of the cell may not be directly tied in to BYU sports.
1: But we're going to have fun. just
0: as the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. BYU football is the powerhouse of this show. Is the mitochondria the powerhouse? I went yes. with nucleus. Yeah, well, it's the, the it's meme. The is, yeah, yeah. well, the nucleus is in the middle, but the, the meme is the, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cells. Like people joke about, that's the only thing they remember from biology class because ah. that's like what transfers energy or something or other, I don't know. Um, know I, I have long told people that Garrett is one of the smartest people that I know. And it's because even just little things like that, when you just said, oh, there's a meme and people joke about it, Nobody jokes about that Garrett. Like here oh, on planet Earth where hold I live on, hold on, nobody's hold joking on. about it. But you hold on with your educated elites, maybe they're making jokes about mitochondria, but where I hang out, nobody's joking about mitochondria. Go search mitochondria on Twitter. Well, and... I believe that it's a thing, but I don't think that the common man, like you speak the king's English and I'm just I'm out here with the with with the peons, you know? I'm a man of the people and you're you're a man man of the people and you're a man who hires the people. I think that's what it is. I mean, yeah, you're the executive here, (laughs) Uh, whatever. I I get what you're coming from. I'll graciously accept the compliment, (laughs) but this is a BYU show. There is some BYU news this week. We're going to kick it off with a little bit of, I guess it's, it's BYU news, but it's kind of BYU adjacent news. Max Hall, did a fireside in lehigh um i it was earlier this week it might have been on sunday it might have been yesterday. I, I don't know when it came out but i saw it today and he talked for about 45 minutes and we'll post the the youtube link uh from the lehigh whatever stake that, that posted this on youtube uh, but he talked for about 45 minutes of his really his entire life i mean from the time he was in high school um and, and a football player at arizona state a missionary in iowa coming home I did not know this but he had decided coming home that Arizona State was a bad environment for him he didn't want to go back he was ready to hang up football like he was done and it wasn't until two or three weeks after he got home that he got a call from Paul Tidwell that said hey we got a spot for you if you want to keep playing ball and then he came up to BYU I have always in my mind assumed that he had made up the mind his mind to transfer after or while he was on his mission but based on what he said in his fireside, it wasn't like he came home, was ready to hang up his cleats and be done with football. Uh, So thought that was really interesting, but he goes into uh, in depth, you know, who he was as a football player. Obviously we know the quarterback at BYU talks about his experience with the Cardinals and and talked about his couple of years in the CFL. Uh, But then he really goes in depth into his struggles with addiction and what that meant. Right. Like his struggles with addiction, but what that did to his entire family. And I've heard the story. I think everybody's heard the story, but I I really hadn't heard him open up and be that vulnerable about the story. Uh, And he said he he makes a reference before he starts talking about everything that he's not shy or bashful about telling his tale. He'll tell it all the time, but it's pretty rare that he does it with the spiritual aspect of what that journey was like and what that meant for his family. Uh, he opens up and says, yeah, he he battled with the drugs for, for five years and his family knew about it and he lied and he manipulated them to keep it a secret and not to tell anybody and that he would get over it. But he never did, right? Until obviously the the, the news broke and he uh, he was arrested. He, he talks about how he got so deep into the addiction. He wasn't just addicted to cocaine. I think everybody like that's what he had when he was arrested. <sighs> he was addicted to anything. He said anything I could get my hands on. a bad, bad place. Yeah, really bad place. And and what is so powerful about this story is how open and transparent he was about it all. And he talks about how, I mean, we're not going to delve into the, the uber religious side of this. Like, if you want that, you should go watch this video. Even if you don't, I think you should go watch his talk. I think anybody can learn from this. But he talks about how he got through it, how his family helped him through it, the part I thought was, was really cool is one of the first people to visit him, uh, actually the first people to call him after it all went down. So he got arrested and they he didn't go to prison, right? He didn't go to jail. They just sent him back home after he got arrested. And he turned off his phone initially because who wants to deal with what, you know, the onslaught is going to be. But he felt prompted to turn his phone back on. So he turned it back on. And the first call that he got was from Brandon Dolman, who was, you know, obviously his former coach, but we're now talking five, six, seven years post-BYU. I mean, it, it had been a while. Yeah. And Coach Doman still is the first one who reached out to him and said, hey, man, we got you. And when you listen to him talk about Coach Doman, it was like, man, I don't know what BYU needs to do to make sure that Coach Doman knows that he is still part of that BYU legacy, BYU family, whatever. That guy is a stud. And anyway, Max Hall's story, absolutely phenomenal well worth 45 minutes of your time Uh, whether you are religious spiritual or not there is a lot of power in his tale Uh, and I would strongly encourage everybody to go and invest 45 minutes into into what Max Hall had to say I'm gonna go watch it after this Um, and after you watch that another while you're on YouTube there's a TED talk called everything we know about addiction is wrong also, I highly recommend um, going and watching that, and that will kind of open your eyes to things and kind of change some things about how we see addiction as like a, a physical thing or a crime, right, versus, you know, a mental health issue that, you know, people trying to escape, and when you address the root cause of it, which, I mean, it's Max isn't a very good place now because that root cause was adjusted. So I'm excited to go and watch that now onto, I guess, more, up uh, one well, not... Up more upbeat I guess less serious because that is a very upbeat there we thing. Go. that is that is a very upbeat and that's a very good positive thing and we were proud of Max and that was a good thing to share and a happy thing to share that he's in a good place um but back to current football BYU football news. it's today's news today's news Jack Tuttle is the gift that keeps on giving and he really is and uh, uh, Jack Tuttle the reason he's the gift that keeps on giving is there is yet another Wilson who is committed to BYU linebacker, Michael Wilson, younger brother of Josh and Zach. uh, He will join the BYU family. We're going to talk about Michael Wilson, but Jack Tuttle, why is he the gift that keeps on giving? Because Jack Tuttle went to Utah and Utah never recruited Zach. Zach, who would have gone to Utah, comes to BYU, blah, 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 you know the tale. There are Utah fans that when BYU fans make that joke of like, Hey, thank you jack tuttle there are utah fans who try to play dumb that are like why would jack tuttle have anything to do with the 20th ranked recruit to the state of utah that year like come on utah fans like just you know why you know why and i get it like i'm a recruiting guy and i saw jack tuttle and i saw zach wilson and based on When Jack Tuttle committed to Utah and when he was just finished up with his junior year, it was a no brainer. Everybody would have taken Jack Tuttle over Zach Wilson. And that's why you did. So own it. He didn't develop. He flopped the locker room, whether he was, he he has a story about how he was a victim. I also, you can go find the story if you want, whether he really was picked on or whatever in the locker room or whether he just bounced because he couldn't hack it. It doesn't matter. Own it. You signed the guy who was more highly rated. You spurned the dude who would have gone to you. The guy who was highly rated, busted out, flopped, transferred. And the guy who you had in your back pocket is now going to be the face of the Jets. Just own it. Don't sit here and try to play stupid, like, well, that has nothing to do with it. Like Utah doesn't get quarter, especially at that time. They're they're recruiting quarterbacks better now. But at that time, if it wouldn't have been Jack Tuttle, there was there's nobody else anywhere near Zach Wilson's level that they would have recruited over. It would have been Zach Wilson. So just shut up about the whole what would Zach Wilson had had to do. And with now him. we have Wilson the second and Wilson the third that I committed. And gee golly, I hope we get Wilson the fourth because yeah, that kid is going to be a damn good quarterback. He's really good. Michael Wilson is the the Wilson of the day, and he's really good too. He's really. I'm anxious to see him this year because both of his older brothers, they were good as juniors, but they like took off as seniors. And so I'm anxious to see corner canyons absolutely loaded again. So I'm anxious to see what, uh, what Michael Wilson does this year. That's not the only commitment of the week uh, since we recorded this, or since we recorded last week, uh, Leo Ty Kinney Kenny out of West high school has committed to BYU as well. A little bit of a tweener. Um, not sure if he's a linebacker. Uh, well, based on today, right? Not sure if he's a linebacker today, or if he's even a you know defensive lineman, a tight end. He could maybe be a wide receiver. He's a little bit of a tweener, uh, based on his genetics. And the Kenny Kenny name is a football name. He comes from a football family. He's you know related to the Pututau brothers who, who starred at, at Utah based on the genetics that exist in his family i have zero doubt in my mind that he becomes a defensive end at minimum and potentially a defensive tackle yeah like Putatao was like 215 when he was playing at cottonwood high school and i think he's playing at utah at like 305 like he's a big dude and so while it remains to be seen how Fu Fu is listed at six one two ninety now yeah he's huge and so it remains to be seen if if Leo tai will will you know follow that same kind of trajectory. But those those genes are there. Uh, if you haven't pulled up Taniela pututau, what is his weight? Because Taniela, now again, like there's maybe not a direct correlation here between the Kinikinis and the pututau, but it's the same blood. Uh, let's talk about Taniela pututau, because I think there's a lot of similarities. Uh, he's listed six three two thirty five. Okay. That's a defensive end. And I think that's where Leo Tai is headed. Uh, He's not there yet. He played sparingly as a junior this last season. I think he was battling an injury if I remember right. So he never really got off uh, and was able to play consistently, but he, he did play played well. West was okay. They went to the state tournament. West is never a powerhouse, but he should have a big senior year excited about it. So two strong additions that both kind of fit the mold of this recruiting class of, versatility. Yeah. Guys so, that can play multiple spots. Um and Hawati Pututao was uh listed he played linebacker in high school at 6-3-2-30 and then when he finished the 63305. Yeah, I mean tackle. They got those that family has that family has frames on them and I believe the and I mistaken on this but I don't know, I know you follow Jake longy who is um, yeah He's the, well, he's a recruiting analyst, coordinator, whatever title they give him. He's on the recruiting staff at Texas. And um, I and mean, he is Harvey Longy's first cousin, whatever. And he, I know, I believe that the uh, Kinikinis and the Puchitas are also related to the Longy's. So it's a very, and I don't know, he remember he, one time I saw him post, it was like the list of everybody from like, it was like everyone from like his great or great, great grandparents. So like, not like, oh, we're all related, all related, but like fairly enough of like, we all can tell you how we're related, like at least close enough that we can say exactly who is related to who and intermarried, whatever. And it was a really fat long list and the kini name and the Pututana name were both in there. Yeah, so it's, well, and if it's the Logie name is affiliated there, um, I think he's also related to crap. I think he's related to the Wolf Grams. I'm pretty sure that Jake Long and, and Ricky Wolfgram have some sort of a connection. Um, anyway, there's a bunch. So I think the Tuyakis are are thrown into there too. I think Eliza Tuyaki throw him out there as well. Uh, like, so football runs in this blood. And that's one thing to, to look at. Um, BYU's coaching staff, perhaps more than most, they really, they, they look at projections. People think I'm a little bit weird when I, like on our our Cougar Sports Insider boards, when I start talking about the physical development of these players that BYU is after, that is one of the biggest things that BYU looks at. Like they will look at, I had a conversation uh, once upon a time, in fact, with Jake Longy, in fact, about a guy, this was several years ago, um, but a a guy out of Utah County, I remember vividly we were talking about. And I, I sat and talked to Jake for like 10 minutes about the thickness of this player's neck and i thought that was really weird and i knew nothing about this player's neck but we sat and talked about his neck because the neck like he was looking at the neck and it's like oh yeah he's got a really thick neck which means he's a little bit underweight right now but the way that Paulies are built if they have that big thick neck when they're young that means the weight is coming and now it's been two or three years and that guy's playing defensive line in the pack 12 so like okay, the the neck thing ended up to be true. I had no idea. And that is something that is really big for Kalani and this coaching staff is they look at the development uh, physically, maybe more than anything. And so you look at a guy like Gliotai, Kenny, Kenny, and I'll be honest, like it's a, on the surface, it's an offer that you're like, ah, man, in a a class where they're only going to have 12, 13 guys, is, is he really a priority BYU is not looking at who Leo Chai Kinikini is today. They are looking at who he will be in three years. Yes. And to go back to what you were talking about, the genes, So I'm looking at kind of dug up some of all uh, Jake Longy's old tweets. So other people in that extended family, uh, the Fanaikas, uh, oh, Stevie okay. Tuikolavatu, uh, the Fehokos. There's like, it's if you basically uh, look at... Like, if you look at, like, that extended family is littered across college football in the state, just as much as there are Kafusis, right? It's that extended family. And so it's, and there is some of, I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? Like, it's one of the reasons, like, why you, you know, take a flyer on a legacy recruit similar, I mean, similar to, like, you know, when we signed, I can't even remember his um, last name, who was the... Player, the linebacker from Pittsburgh that we signed um, last year, Hoke. Yes, Hoke. It's like right. It's like okay, this kid is down as a player, played in the NFL. Probably going to be like looks okay now. Took a decent jump between his junior and senior year. He's got room that he's got a frame that he can grow into. The genetics are probably there. He's going to fill. He's going to fill out. And those are the kind of guys. If you're looking at where BYU is, where you're not always going to compete. Like yes, there will be you know, there will be the Chaz I'll use, there will be the Raider de Moonies, right. That come through, but you got to kind of have to project at what guys will become. And it's a lot easier. I mean, it's, you know, as we were jokingly saying about, you know, like talking about stake them I and collecting data, right? Like it, it is having, being a legacy recruit and having an older brother or a dad or uncle, like someone that also played it is in looking at the athletic ability of the parents. It's like, that's kind of all you have to go off of. If you're going to take a flyer on a kid and take a projection of what he might become, they're not going to do it for my kid. And they're not going to do it for yours. Right. Because they yeah. look <laughs> yep. at us like, mm, uh, it's not going to work out, but it's like, if it's okay, it's like, okay, well, um, you are breathing and your last name is Kafusi. It's probably worth taking a shot on you to see what you develop into because you're going to be at least marginally athletic to at least contribute something. You will not be a total flop. If your last name was Confucius. it is physically impossible. Like it is just, it's just, against the laws of physics and nature, but it's, and, and Micah, Micah Wilson's a really good example of exactly that. Like it, it, he is a guy that you look at uh, him and Harrison Taggart are, are the two star linebackers at corner this year and Harrison Taggart's blowing up. He's getting offers from everybody and he should, he's a stud. Uh, Michael Wilson's recruitment really hasn't started off or hasn't taken off like like uh, his teammates has. And in part, that's because I think everybody knows that Wilson's are going to go to BYU at this point. Um, But it also is because I I think on tape, you look at the athletic ability of 16 year old Michael Wilson and 16 year old Harrison Taggart when they were playing last year. There really isn't a debate like Taggart is the better. He's the more developed prospect at that point. But if you look at what Zach Wilson did as a senior, and then you look at the development physically, forget the football side of this, but just physically that Zach Wilson made from his senior year to his freshman year in college, he he was a completely different physical person. Like he he looked like everybody puts on just man weight, and then every college football player gets into a D1 weight program and they they look a little bit more, you know, filled out. But Zach went from What he was at Corner Canyon into a a bona fide NFL prospect as a freshman. And you look at Josh Wilson, kind of the same thing. It's this Josh was a junior. He was okay, but then he really took off the summer between his junior and senior year that it was like, whoa, like this kid's for real. And then as a senior, Josh was spectacular on that corner canyon defense. And he cracked the two deep as a freshman at BYU. It's a this coaching staff is looking at Harrison Taggart and they're looking at, uh, at Micah Wilson. They had, didn't offer Harrison Taggart. Now I don't think they would have gotten him anyways. There's Taggart's not a member. He has offers from everybody out West. Like he's probably not a BYU guy, but they offered Micah before Harrison blew up. Like this staff saw Michael Wilson and they picked Michael Wilson. They're banking a ton on the same genes, the same genes that, that mike wilson ended up becoming a a defensive lineman at the university of utah the same genes that produced zach wilson to be zach wilson that made josh wilson a a linebacker who's going to compete for time this year they are banking on those exact same genes kicking in for michael wilson and there's really like it's hard to doubt that at this point yeah and it's i think it's well it's really it's you got to be proven wrong and some of it too is like you do when you're dealing with brothers like you do want the package deal right like it's, it is you know looking at what's down the line and there is some of like you know that you you can't expect everyone to come through the door to be a starter or whatever so you say like well if we think the youngest brother could be a superstar we better be okay with you know there's some element of that as well and so it's like you know what you're getting so take it especially in a limited and it's it is a risky thing. And, you know, if we talked about with this class being so small, like, obviously, yes, like you want everyone with a limited class, you want to hit heavy on it, but really the flip side of having such a small class is you cannot have any misses. And a mm-hmm. miss is not just someone who, you know, becomes an all American and gets drafted, right? Like it's, you can't have a guys who just come and do literally nothing. And then, Oh yeah. Like flame out and do it. Like, I think it like a miss would be like Austin Holt. I remember that name like out of Bingham where he was like a top right. 10 tight end in the country came in, was like a four-star recruit, whatever got moved to tackle and like played in like four snaps his whole career. Like well, you can't, you, you, you can't have you that too. When you talk to coaches and people who are involved with the recruiting game and have been for a while, their definition of success is very different than the definition of that a regular fan would have. I look at a guy like Devin Mahina, who's, who's a friend of mine. You know, he was a big time recruit coming out of Upland high school in California and I think if you ask a lot of just casual fans, they're going to say that, that Devin didn't live up to his recruiting rankings. But if you talk to the coaches, uh, he was a contributor for three years and then a bona fide starter as a senior. That is a successful recruit. Like, that's a hit. And so yeah. the definition of what is a hit and what isn't is it varies greatly from fan to coach. Yes. And uh, you're, you're absolutely right that you cannot have a miss – hits they look at four years they don't just look at one gunner romney people were ready to write him off as a bust after his his uh, freshman and sophomore years like okay i think he's proving that he's not right and fans just aren't patient enough sometimes Yeah. and so it's wilson i, I think i like both of them and what they project to in Leutai kenny kenny falls into similar to what we saw with you know basically kind of the theme of this such small class is a, a body that can go in multiple places and that you can tinker with and you get the body now and then adjust to the needs later in the weight room. And when you see what you can do and some of those guys will be able to put on weight and keep their speed. Some guys will not be able to. So, and so it's, you, you know, some you'll see it kind of filter down to who becomes that tweener hybrid strong safety versus who becomes a middle linebacker, who gets their hand in the dirt and becomes a defensive end. Um, uh, but the, it's the one, could, the one thing we can, the one thing we can count on is if that player does become a bust new to will be the one who gets the blame. Oh yes. We can always blame new to um, because right, wrong, fair, unfair. That is what I have learned is that new to feci in the strength and conditioning program is always wrong. And when they're right and things go well, you just don't talk about them. Well, if it's it's because players did other work outside of that, and that's they right, just correct. figured it out and knew better. Um, so, coming off of recruiting last week, we did our goat series of offense. We both had Jim McMahon as the quarterback. You had Luke Staley. I had Harvey Unga. You had Margin hook side Austin Colley. We both had Dennis Pitta, and both had John Tate. I feel so good about that Margin Hooks pick. Like the more I think about it, I feel so good that my hot take of Margin Hooks in that offense. Replace Margin Hooks and Austin Collie and Margin puts up bigger numbers. I feel so good about that take. I felt good about it for seven days. That's, I mean, the more it's, it's I don't know that necessarily that I agree with it because Austin Collie led the country in receiving. I don't care. Margin. So, okay. I mean, but it's, I don't think it's crazy or outlandish to possibly, you know, to believe that, but we're on to the defense. And so we've got the, defensive line. thats where we're starting with. And this, this is hard. Tough. Obviously as a defensive or an, as an offensive school and like we probably we could have fleshed out the offense even more and maybe yeah. we need to go like pick a wide receiver too, and add an interior lineman, and maybe like a second running back like it had three more positions to the offense to really beef it out. And that's where we will maybe get a little more variance as well. But on defense, we really could only go the three levels, like defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. There were not enough great quarterbacks to separate the safeties from the quarterbacks. There really weren't. And, and that isn't to say that BYU hasn't had good corners. Like Tim McTyre was great. Omar Morgan, great. But there haven't been five that are all great. There yeah. just haven't been, which is crazy. And even on the defensive line, I was – shocked at how few defensive linemen there were that are really really good the ones who are there are really really good yeah but there weren't very many that you're like oh yeah unquestionable that's a guy yeah. so our our defensive line list here's here's where we got here's the five that we're choosing from jason buck sean knight jan jorgensen glenn Tittenzor and Bronson Cafuzi,
1: So, including
0: Ziggy Ainsa. Well, Ziggy started like three games in his career. And was, right. I, I just know that's going to be the first right. thing anybody says, where's Ziggy? What? He's not here. Because his BYU career. What's kind of meh. Yeah. Um, so, we got Jason Buck, the Outland Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. We got Sean Knight, one of the biggest flops. Who was drafted higher? He was drafted number eleven. One of the biggest flops in NFL history. Yeah, uh, as the defensive line got traded after his rookie season. But a darn good BYU defensive yes. line. I mean you that don't, you don't get. Drafted. I was not. I was not old enough. I I was negative years old when Buck and uh, Knight were playing. But I've heard that. Uh, there's an argument to be made that Sean Knight was better than Jason Buck at BYU. Yes. So um did oh, Sean Knight is the third highest draft pick in BYU history. Yeah, he was good. Well, I don't know. How I guess well, I guess you count Steve Young as the first round the first overall pick, right? Cuz it cuz Steve went in the supplemental draft tampa bay so that means tampa bay had to they gave up their first round pick the following season to take steve young right i don't know with that draft because that was when the whatever league the afl whatever it was called or the other um oh gosh i can't i don't know what usfl it was, yeah after the USF. donald after donald trump ruined the usfl yes so that was it was a funny draft because it wasn't a regular supplemental draft like the one that harvey young was drafted in it was a uh, like a, a player disbursement draft. yeah kind of between the cfl and the usfl so i don't know if any team sacrificed picks in order to to take because like yeah steve young would have been first overall I think gordon hudson went like 20 something in that same draft but i don't think that they are considered a supplemental pick in the sense that harvey young is like, uh, there was something funny with that draft yes yeah, so it was actually a i got up right now so it was a one-time supplemental draft for college seniors who had already signed with either the USFL or CFL in an attempt to head off a bidding war in its own ranks for USFL and CFL players. Because, I mean, this is 1984. This was before there were huge, huge things. Like at the time when Steve Young got signed by the LA Express, that was the biggest contract like in pro sports. And so, this. So yes, yeah, so he was number one overall in that um but in the there's like some random things like the usfl had some dudes on like steve young mike rozier gary zimmerman reggie white i think yeah reggie white like had some hall of famers yeah so it was uh but yeah then i mean there were guys like getting drafted that were you know i mean most of them were from the i mean most of them were usfl guys but there were like I don't know Christopher Woods was, but he, you know, got, they, he was drafted after, but it's like he went to, he's from Alabama and went to Auburn, but then chose to sign with. Uh, the, it happened the all NFL. the time. And so, yeah, just back there, some guys like, oh, this Gordon, Gordon Hudson, Gordon Hudson was an All American, revolutionized the tight end position and decided to go to the USFL instead of the NFL. I yeah. think he was still, I think he was drafted twice, if I remember right, but I, we're getting off track, uh, which is that's what we do. Um, but it was a funny, a uh, funny draft. Anyway, all of this anyway, I'm trying to remember what we were talking uh, about. We're Sean talking about Knight. Sean Knight, Yeah, So, take out Steve Young, Jim McMahon was selected fifth overall. Ezekiel Ansa was selected fifth overall. Sean Knight was selected 11th. Like he was this until Z, Ziggy Ansa came around, he was the second highest draft pick in BYU history. Flopped. Okay, but I, whatever. I have ben, a confession before we, before we make our selections. I know that there are some defensive linemen from like the seventies that probably put up big numbers. Yeah. And I, I absolutely know there are these de- some defensive backs from the sixties and seventies that are still on the uh, like the all-time interceptions list. I did not include them because football did not start at BYU until LaVelle Edwards got there. I don't care what anybody says. And with all due respect to our guy, you know, Peter van Valkenburg, football did not start at BYU until LaVelle Edwards got there. Yes, just like football did not start at Utah until Urban Meyer got there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so we are drawing a line in the sand and it really, for the most part, we're talking Lavelle forward. And I'm not throwing that caveat out because I feel like we don't have the capability to look back. I am throwing that caveat out because I don't believe that those really good players in the 60s, like they couldn't make their team any good at all. So I refuse to acknowledge them as an all-time great. That is a valid maybe, point. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I refuse. And if you want to change your mind so you can change them. But okay, so Jason Buck, Sean Knight, Jan Jorgensen, who left as the Mountain West all-time career sack leader and somehow never even got a camp invite.
1: To the NFL. most that inexplicable is, NFL. N- I've
0: never understood that. Glenn Titanser who's two-time All-American, playing the film? Bronson Kafusi, obviously great. Third-round pick. I th- I am going to take Glenn Titanser because he was a two-time All-American, mostly because I refuse to take Jason Buck based off of every time I've heard him on the radio or in an interview with anybody in the last five years. <laughs> That's fair, actually. He's obnoxious on the radio. Um, yeah. You know, this one's tough for me. Jason Buck probably is the purely. It's the purely, it's the, purely oh, it's off personal. The yeah, no, I get it. It's personal. I understand that. Jason Buck probably is the right answer. I, I didn't see him play or Sean Knight play to really split hairs there. I remember Bronson Kafusi just tormenting quarterbacks. Like he was so big and so good. And I feel like his stats are like there's a huge giant asterisk with his stats because they inexplicably made him a linebacker for a year remember that nonsense yes i remember after that bowl game the miami beach bowl when uh nick howell was saying he was like oh well you know he's a linebacker in certain situations but we're not going to like put him in coverage and then someone through, and it was like he got beat in pass coverage for a touchdown that they ended up losing the game on. Yeah. Like he was playing linebacker. It was just awful. If he was used correctly, I think Bronson has the best stats out of all these guys. I mean, not mind just because he was, you know, there for four years. He was there for four years. He's a freak of a human being. And the dude bleeds BYU football. So call it recency bias, call it whatever you want. I don't care. I'm picking Bronson Kafusi. Okay, I will give you that. Um, I did not realize this. That uh, well, so I knew that Bronson had obviously like he was let go by the Jets. Um, I did not know that Bronson is now on the Packers roster as a tight end. Yeah, he's flipped. He switched over, and Corbin is an offensive tackle at 49ers. I think I uh, yes, he's on the practice roster now, um which I saw that Corbin got engaged last weekend, so congratulations to him. Oh, good um, for him. But yeah, so Bronson Kafusi and his stats, see what yeah, it was like that one season, but his senior year, man, 11 sacks, 20 TFLs, like he, he was, was insane. 20, he was insane in 2015. So yeah. you said Bronson, I said Glenn Titanser. I thought maybe you know, because Jason Buck won the Outland trophy, maybe it was like kind of a weak year for you know defense linemen, whatever. And so maybe that's why Glenn Tyson did. Do you know who won the Outland trophy? Glenn Titanser's senior year. I do not. Friggin' Mark May. <laughs> that dude is the worst. <laughs> He is the worst talking head. Did you know that Mark Is he May, still on? He's not on anymore, no, is he? dude. Mark May and Lou Holtz have a YouTube channel where they are trying to do their own independent college. Shut up. Why am I not a subscriber? I got to find this. See, I don't remember what it's called. Let me find it. It's so bad. Um, That's unbelievable. It, literally, they do stuff like... It... Mark May, Lou Holtz. The crowds, the crowds line. Yes. they am oh, subscribing. Do their own thing. And it's like you look at the things. Our podcast is more popular than theirs. So look at this. It's they have <laughs> things 12 views, 35 views, 34 views, 31 views, 19 views, 37 views. Oh, uh, this makes me sad. I mean, not really, but kinda. Like it's They have, I mean, they've been doing it for a long time, Uh, and they have have, have, 1,090 videos with 16 views. They have almost 2,000 subscribers, and of the 2,000 subscribers, uh, 1,984 of them are not watching one of their most recent videos. Yes, and the banner on their YouTube page says, Wall Street smarts and crowdsource data precision, precise prediction analytics. I'm so confused at what Uh, is going on here, but it's some serious boomer technology issues with Mark May and Lou (laughs) (laughs) Holtz. What an unbelievable uh find that is i i can't wait for the season uh, i want to skip linebackers so you got you got glenn titans there. i got Bratza Cafusi. i'm going to skip linebackers because there's a whole conversation there we're going to go to defensive backs and then back to linebackers defensive backs you talked about it we're combining corners and we're combining safeties here's our five and people could argue and say that other five deserve it. Danny Sorensen's not on this list. Kai Nakua is not on this list. Like, there are some guys who are very, very good that are Tom, not on this list. Tom, Tom Homo is not on this list. Not on this list. So here's our five. Like, B.A.'s got a ton of safeties. They just didn't have corners. That's really the problem. Aaron Francisco, Kyle Morrell, Dewey Gray, Brian Mitchell, Omar Morgan. Tim McTire is not on this list. Tim McTyre is not on this list. Gennaro Guilford is not on this list. I mean, even going back to like guys like Craig Bills, like Craig Bills was no scrub. Like he was very, very good. Yeah. Not on this list. This is tough. to me, the answer is simple. I, this one is maybe the most obvious one to me. And maybe it's because uh, it's a little bit like a Luke Staley pick that I just loved him, but Aaron Francisco was unreal. Yeah. And I feel like he's the most overlooked like BYU legend ever. He doesn't get he included was with the legends, and it's but he was stuck on some bad defenses, right? Like it's Yeah. He, yep. It's uh, I'm trying to even see. I it's weird they don't even have his stats on the website. That's not um, We've talked about it. BYU's new website's a nightmare. Yeah. Um he had 330 tackles, um, 16 and a half tackles for lost, and he had how many interceptions? Seven career interceptions. From the yeah. strong well, safety and spot, and he he laid the wood on some people too. That uh, yeah, he, like he was BYU's Troy Polamalu is who yes. he was. Like people were afraid of Francisco, and Fran- Aaron Francisco, man, like he was just 20 years too early because he he he's chaz all is who he is like if he was playing today he'd be in like that hybrid linebacker safety role and he would just annihilate people yeah uh so aaron francisco's my guy and so I, as much uh, kyle morrell is probably the pick that most people would pick uh dewey gray great i, I think pe- people who are active on social media would pick dewey gray because of his twitter presence you know sure. May fan. Um, and he's great. Had a good I, NFL career. I mean, it's dude, it's so hard to kind of choose between these cuz right like Kyle Morrell, right? Like saved I mean, Kyle Morrell won he's, a national championship for B- Yes, and that is not lost on me at the same time like Omar Morgan, when I mean, you talk about I mean, we were just talking about guys that played in the CFL, like Omar Morgan had a very good, I mean, he played for a decade in the CFL and was a three-time CFL All-Star. Right, like it's—he was a stud. Like he he clinched the 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 Cotton Bowl. Yes, he clinched the Cotton Bowl. So it's, I mean, Aaron Francisco. Uh, it's so hard. This is like it's splitting hairs because there isn't one that's just like. This is the toughest one that we've had. Of uh, these. For me, it was because, easy. Like it really was. Like Aaron Francisco, because it's, it's like he's so versatile. Aaron Francisco if, if, could do it all. Yes, I will give you that. If you're looking at what you could pull them into and do today, it, like if we were playing the game today, then I mean, Omar Morgan's only like 5'9, Dewey Gray's like 5'10, Francisco's like 6'3. Brian Mitchell, not that tall of a guy. I don't even know how tall Kyle Morell is. Kyle Morell was like the Brandon Ogletree, though. Like, I don't care what size it is. Like, he's he's listed a, He was a dog, man. Like, he had it. Um, Oh, I did not realize that Kyle Morrell passed away last year. He did just last year. I, actually, I do vaguely remember that now. Yeah. Um, of ALS. But the, you know, I, I well, I agree with your Aaron, San Francisco is Chaz Ayu ahead of Chaz Ayu's times. I have to go with Kyle Morrell simply because of that one singular play against Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, there's, you cannot go wrong. If you were adding Kyle Morrell to your team, you cannot go wrong. Yeah. And it was, uh, and that really was my only deciding factor, even though, like, you know, it was, I'm similar, being a similar age of you is like, you know, Aaron Francisco. Like, I mean, I, like, I grew up watching him, right? And his, you know, I remember when he was getting torched in the Super Bowl when the Cards lost to the Steelers. Right. But it's, you know, and I, it's, he had a good, he had a very solid NFL career. Um, he was healthy. He was, he was great. Yeah. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with San Francisco either. Unless we have the linebackers, which maybe we should have expanded this to like inside and outside, but there've been so many scheme changes over the years. See, hard it's to, hard, right? Hard to say. And there's, this is where there's going to be guys left off the list. And so dude, we we could have probably gone 15, maybe 20 deep and, and yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't it's really is linebacker you, but Van Noy, Fred Warner, shame your Leon White, Rob Freight Train Morris. I, I don't, I don't know. This one actually might be hard. Well, it's like, the the defensive back one was hard because none of them were like slam dunks. Where it's like kind of like, oh yeah, you're solid. Like you're not gonna complain about anything. But the linebackers, it's like, oh, I mean, Van Noy and Morris are very different. So it's like, I don't. I would probably say, not Morris. Just because if we're talking about like what you were saying about Aaron Francisco being Chaz Ayu ahead of his time and like bringing them into the game today, uh, Rob Morris would not be a linebacker in 2020 because he would get, I mean, being the size that he, he like was and kind of, I mean, he was like, I mean, he was sick, played at 6'2, 245, but it's like he was a little bit slower, kind of the run stuffing linebacker doesn't exist anymore. Like just the the downhill run stuffer, he would get beefed up and he would be in an interior lineman or like a defensive end. But it's just like so the game is slightly the game is different now. He he did run at two forty at two fifty when Rob Morris went to the combine. He ran a four seven seven at two hundred fifty pounds. I mean that's moving. That's not fast. Yeah, but if you're right, right? Like I don't know that he could have played at two thirty just. He was so big, but the dude was an athlete. Like he had a vert of thirty three inches, four seven seven forty. Like he was more athletic. I think that he gets credit for. He's more athletic. I think he gets credit for. But looking at the uh NFL combine results from futures I mean, linebackers now four four two four five two four four three. Yeah, totally, totally so, agree with. You. And so it's just they don't the position is just fundamentally different now than it was And even towards the tail end. You saw his playing time dip the last few years of his career, because that is when like the NFL, you know, the late two thousands, right? Like 2006, 2007, that's when, you know, they started to really push into getting a lot more pass heavy. You saw him kind of change and like, he wasn't getting, you know, it's just like the game changed and his playing time kind of decreased as a result um but i i man i loved rob morris he wore number 90 94 with the colts and i hate because he was a linebacker wearing a 90s number and that was the worst for me absolute Um, worst i think i would work backwards on this list and for me i as much as we love him because of what he did in the cotton bowl because of who he was during that 1996 season Shea Brook is the first guy I cut from this list. Uh, there are other guys in, in BYU history uh, that were very, very, very good. And I, I, I think Shea Brook, I, I think there's a little bit of a division between these other four guys and, and Shea Brook. So that's the first guy I am taking off this list. I I have a hard time thinking of like trying to just keep my 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 recency bias in check, right? But there have been some studs like Shad Hansen and Cameron Jensen and, and guys like that that I you know that didn't end up on this list, and I think Shabir Brook is right there. I, it's hard for me to say that Kyle Van Noy and Fred Warner that we've had two all-time great linebackers in the last like seven years. I guess it's been almost 10 years since since Kyle Van Noy left yeah. eight years, but I think that's the case. So I think you've, I take off Shea Mirbrook and then I probably take off Leon white next. And maybe that is because I didn't see him play. I'm okay. I'm just saying Leon white, 1984 on the national championship game. Oh, he was insane. 90 tackles, five tackles for loss, two sacks, one interception, 10 pass breakups, 13 hurries, three force fumbles, one fumble recovery, four blocked kicks. <laughs> That's the most impressive part. Oh, I don't know, man. Like, because because like what are what we, we have to compare it against these other guys' stats. And so uh Kyle Van Noy had 226 tackles. Like we all know Kyle Van Noy. 7 interceptions, 25 sacks, 5 forced fumbles. He scored two defensive touchdowns. Uh, I know Leon White had that great senior year, but Kyle Van Noy was that good throughout his career. Yeah, I honestly out of this I am probably I'm taking Van Noy simply because he like just because Van Noy we're talking about him. He his junior year in 2012, which is that's where both of his touchdowns came from. We're in that like he single handedly beat San Diego State in a football game. Like he himself scored more points than San Diego State did. They <laughs> he had and he won that Old Miss game too. Yes. So like 2011, 15 tackles for loss. 2012, 22 tackles for loss. 2013, 17 tackles for loss. He had 13 sacks, like two interceptions. His junior year. He recorded a defensive t- statistic in every single possible category. Yeah, he, he was like a kick, Andre, he, he was the Andre a, Karolinko of football. Yes, he blocked a kick. He blocked a punt. He had a fumble touchdown. He had an interception touchdown. He had, like he forced a fumble. He had a sack. He had tackle, Obviously, tackles, um, tackles for loss. He did all of it. He even had a yeah. punt return that year. Yeah. So it it's good. on a blocked kick. Like it's so. I have to go Kyle Van Noy just because of what they and really what they asked him to do. And you could honestly say that with Fred Warner too, where and they um but it was like everything that Fred Warner did, like Kyle just did it a little bit better at the time. But I mean it's they I mean they were stuck out like they covered everybody on the field and were all over the place in their versatility. Fred, Fred played so much coverage after after Kalani got here fred's job changed and that's maybe the most impressive thing to me about fred warner is 2014 2015 he was Vanoy too right like that was what he was becoming under bronco mendenhall is that true outside linebacker that was going to get into the backfield but when kalani took over they said hey man you got to play coverage like we need you to hold this defense you're not the playmaker anymore and he did it so. I mean, he'd be like out on the numbers, covering guys. Like, not even like, oh, I'm going to take the slot receiver. It's like, uh, no, we kind of lacking some bodies. We need you out here. And and like, that is what has made him great in the NFL, for what it's worth, is his coverage ability. Like he he makes some plays in the run game for sure, but his ability to cover tight ends it makes him phenomenal. So here's how I'm doing this. I we've taken Mearbrook off. I'm going because I think it is so close with these other four guys. I'm going to go with the best single season. You mentioned Leon White, right? 90 tackles, uh, 10 pass breakups. He was great. He was absolutely great in '84. Fred Warner's single best year, probably you would say his junior year. Senior year was close. Uh, 86 tackles, 10 and a half sacks, and he had six PBUs and three interceptions as a junior. So that's probably his best year. Kyle Van Noy's best year probably his senior year though you could maybe argue that it's his junior year he was pretty good there with 13 sacks junior year he had 70 tackles uh six pbus scored a touchdown had a a pair of interceptions like he was great his senior year junior year was right there rob morris's junior year 147 tackles and six sacks 16 tf or tackles for loss yeah i have to go with rob morris in that 1998 season To me, that's the guy. I, I agree that I I'm taking Van Noy just simply because of the mindset of like, if we were making this today and it's, yep. And so, but it's, and it's like weird. And part of that too, is just teams pass a lot more. Like if you look, you're going to see DBs have way more tackles now than they did in the nineties because they just didn't pass as much back then. And so, you know, you had a ton of linebackers with way more attacks just because they were, you know, running up the middle every play. Um, and so, I think. And so, what our defenses? Titans are Van Noy, Morrell, Kafusi, Morris, Francisco. Not uh, my, either of those. You're you're gonna wake up, like it might be harder to score on your defense, but you're gonna wake up with more bruises after you play on my defense. I got I got three guys who are gonna run you over. That's true. That's true. It's they one will like keep you out of the end zone, and one will keep you off the field. <laughs> it's like bronson Kafusi on on my three-man team here uh six foot a hundred bronson Kafusi hit everybody like a truck it's probably the softest player that i've got out of my three yeah that's yeah that's and that's really saying something <laughs> but while we while we marinate on this jeff this is the longest episode we've had in a while is, oh we've been going like I just looked at going. the clock. We've I know it it's, it's almost 11 o'clock for you. I mean, it's I, when we started recording, I was the only one up in my house. And so it was kind of easy to run long. Usually it's, uh, we've been doing a little more afternoon recordings. And so, right, as I'm getting done with work and that usually involves a crying baby or child or something that I have to tend to, but we've been able to let it ride tonight. So if you need to break this up over a couple of days, that's fine. Um, some other items of business, if you made it to the end. Uh, The draft is coming up. You are sporting your ZACH 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 shirt right now. And it looks great, by the way. Um, So I still need to order mine, but we have some Jets gear available on there. Um, You know, we'll put some other stuff up. Tickets are went on sale for the opener against U of A. Um, You can go on sale, use the the code PSL to get into the pre-sale. Um, I haven't looked at, I didn't look this morning to see how many were left, but the entire lower bowl, except for the end zones was sold out yesterday. And then um, at least on the, and then on uh, the BYU side was emptying, but there was some stuff left on the U of A side. There uh, is, I'm looking now and there are six, I mean, there's like singles and uh, yeah, most there's singles left on the sidelines. You could get some, it looks like, I don't know, this is probably row like, 15, 20 ish in the end zones on either end zone, but most of the lower bowl is gone. So the most of the lower bowl is gone. Um, you can, oh, what the, the, Oh, that's funny. They said us for like, uh, the, uh, the PSL, even on the Elysian stadium website, it's like pre-sale, whatever the passcode is Vegas. to get, <laughs> <laughs> But the, uh, so they yeah so that's up there come by see us we will be there i don't know maybe figure out doing something you know we actually talked about this with uh jake welch just today jake welch is a contributor over at cougar sports insider great friend of ours uh we're gonna do some sort of a meetup in vegas i don't know what that is i've never orchestrated a meetup like i've gone to games and people have approached me and we talk and i I want to talk to everybody but i've never been conceited enough to say hey there's a an event i'm putting it together come find me like that feels weird for me like i can't wrap my head around that the last time i did a meetup like that was going to the ucla game in 2015 Mm -hmm. went to magiano's in vegas the night before the game met up with a bunch of people uh like bean and james justin mace were there uh, and a couple other people met up some people and pierre guzman and i got locked inside a mall because we we left or because we had gone out the door and it was like the way somehow we went out into the parking garage but the parking garage was like locked and we could not get back in to go back around to where our car was because they had closed a divider in the parking garage and then we could not get back into the mall because the magianos was the last thing open and it was a, it was an experience but that that seems like it. we're going to do something down in vegas i don't know what it'll feel weird i am staying at the palazzo and i will probably i the palazzo sports book is the most comfortable sports book that i've been to in vegas and there's some good ones, like it may not be the best, but it's the most comfortable. So I, I am going to vote that we meet at the sportsbook in the Venetian, I guess. It's not actually the Palazzo sportsbook. It's in the Venetian. But we meet there. Maybe we go to dinner. Maybe we just meet Saturday morning at the sportsbook, place your bets, watch some of the early games or whatever. Uh, but we'll, we'll figure something out. Vegas is going to be fun. Uh COVID will hopefully not be a thing. You got your second Pfizer Pfizer shot. My second shot. Yes. I got mine a couple of weeks ago. Uh I'm fully vaccinated now. Like I'm all the way. I could go back to licking doorknobs. It's time. So uh hopefully by the time September rolls around, this is a thing of the past. We'll have a good time. You know what I'm really looking forward to, Garrett? We haven't talked about this, so here we are. It's the longest show we've ever done. I'm assuming your family is asleep at this point. Yes. Yeah, so is mine. So it's a little easy to, to to ramble. I'm excited for our post-game show from Vegas. Ooh, yeah. Like, we could be together, which we we, can. we are now on episode... This is episode 50, by the way. This is the 50th episode. Wait a episode. minute. I, we may have... So I'm going to be in Utah the first week Ooh. of May, which if okay. my, uh, that may be our annual... We're going to of- be real close to that wow. annual... Because we did a couple, like two episodes in a week and so our track we have to go back and look at the exact date of our first episode yes i'll go back and look at the date of our first episode but we need we need to get together uh, maybe we, wanna... we uh maybe we see if uh mitchell harper can pull some strings for us at ksl and we get into an actual studio Ooh, yeah so our first episode we published on may 14th but about two weeks okay. before that is when we started discussing yeah this. so it's yeah maybe we can go get into the studio that'd be ooh. i yes we need to we need to talk to mitch get into the studio at ksl because that week that i'm up there is also the bees are starting their season okay, okay. so we'll be right there like i think we need to go to lucky 13 walk over to the ballpark cruise yeah, on any, over to the studio anytime i can get a peanut butter burger i'm in oh yeah. Uh, so that's some news. Other news, I've been working. So now that this PPP is starting to kind of wind down and I have a little more free time in the evening, I've been putting more time in actually fleshing out my uh, college football data infrastructure to be able to crank things more. We should have led, led with this. Instead I mean, of this, this can be a little teaser, right? This can, okay. this can be a tease for next week. But so, I mean, if you have requests of things you want to see or whatever, um, you know, I've put up some stuff I put together, um, and you know, maybe I'll make a thread and pin it of um things, but I've put together like an FBS team dashboard where you can just go kind of look up the history of any FBS program and you can say, you know, you can see how many times they've been ranked, how many draft picks they have, how many titles they have, their history in S Plus, um, you know, their all-time records a moving average of wins and losses, you know, their recruiting history, the states they recruit the heaviest from, uh, their a graph of like breakdown of conferences, like opponents that they faced. I'm trying to remember what else. They're all, you can look at their all-time record versus any school that they've ever played. Uh, That's cool. It's I mean, cool. That. The whole um, site is cool. We also have, I put out, um, and I've kind of done in the last couple of years too, in doing... Um, like a win probability table. So basically, after each week, figuring out, like, okay, we play Arizona week one, there's a 62% chance of winning. So that means like there's a 48 or 38% chance of going 0 0 oh, 1, and a 62% chance of being 1 and 1. Then at week two, it's there's, you know, Losing to Utah Week Two would be like you know there's this percent chance of being 0 and 2, this percent chance of 1 and 1, this percent chance of 2 and 0. Figure those out. I've got that fleshed out, and it's every so you can see that for every single FBS team season back to 1970. So you just have to pick the year and the team, and you can see what their actual record was, what the score was of the season, and what the probability was of where they would actually end up with that. Um, and then this today, I just, uh, some stuff, you know, does better on a chart, some whatever. Um, so I did a little preview of, or just kind of threw together kind of a sorted table of the teams most likely to go undefeated this year. And surprise, it's Clemson and Oklahoma and Alabama are the top three teams most likely, most likely to go undefeated. And Clemson, the odds that Clemson goes undefeated is 28%, which, like, back of the napkin math, that means, like, on average, there there's like a 92% chance that they're going to win every single game. Let me see. The ACC sucks. I mean, Clemson's a juggernaut obviously, but the ACC yes. sucks. So, yes, 90% chance Clemson every single their average is 90% win probably a game cuz the ACC is so bad at the I mean, it the o- Oklahoma's it like going to be at like 86 or 87. Probably uh, 86. I mean, raising stuff to this 12th power, guessing out of the back of my head is not exactly uh, my strong suit here. But yeah, it's like 86, 87. So it's math is weird because stuff like, I mean, you think of, you know, like 95% chance you win every game versus like 86% or 80% chance or 90 versus 87 doesn't seem like a whole lot, but that takes it from like the 28 of Clemson to the 13 of Alabama right and then it's you start knocking a couple more down um and some of these obviously it is some of these are impossible because like louisiana coastal and app all play each other and so there's and things like that but hopefully it's good uh, stuff i'm excited ho- hopefully we spoil a few of them because it's uh you know yeah we're out usc on. is on here boise state's on here utah's on here the Pac-12 is pretty soft, too, this year. Like Utah and USC look really good. Oregon looks really good. Everybody else, I think, is taking a step back a little bit. Arizona State will be okay. Uh, but that Pac-12 South, if you're the Pac-12 South, it really is. Utah versus USC, the winner of that game, could run the table. So uh, it's going to be interesting. This has been a long show. Normally we wouldn't do this when it has been a long show. But we asked we asked for some reviews a couple of weeks ago. And we got a bunch. You guys came through. We went from I can't remember how many to sixty-seven. So that's great. Wow. We got a bunch. We need more. Like I appreciate every review. We need to read just a few. So uh, there's there's some really good ones. A lot of these recently are are pretty heartfelt. You know, they're sincere reviews, which we've read them. It makes us happy. Uh, but uh, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna read those over the air. We read the ones that really stand out. And while I appreciate everybody who is just telling us that this is a great show, let's read. I want to read just a couple that really, I think illustrate who we are. Uh, One of them here, 10 out of 10 recommend. If you ever wanted to listen to two normal dudes, talk about the mechanics of the national deficit, the intricacies of the comparisons between vertical smokers and Kamado grills and share memories of the best individual performances they've seen in 4 a Utah high school football since 2006 all in one podcast episode. And this is the show for you. It's incredible. It's true. I want to and, frame that. I mean, that's really who we are. Uh, another one here, the, this is the best BYU podcast. It might be the best podcast of any category. Come for the BYU sports, stay for the food and financial takes. You know, we really got on a, a thing there where we were talking about some like financial crap every week. Um, Next one, New York's newest nightclub is GEHB. This show has it all, food, politics, investment, BYU football, obscure facts you never thought you need. Um, and I mean, overall, really great. Please continue to review. Please subscribe. I don't think we've ever asked anybody to subscribe. I was thinking about this. Like I I've, when we do like our weekly write-up of the show, I'll say, please subscribe to the show. But as I listen to podcasts, like they're just, always like pipping out. Subscribe to the show. Which I don't really I, get. Never said it. Well, I don't. I've never. I don't get it because I would just like I hit the button if I like it, and if I don't like it, then I'm gonna unsubscribe. Like it's you it's don't need true. to beg me to subscribe. No, I I just like are we, are we so arrogant that we think that fans would just subscribe? Like, are we breaking some sort of podcaster code that we're not asking people to subscribe on every episode? I don't know. It was really weird. So here we are. I'm asking. We're we're gonna see a little uh, a little trial by I don't know. It's late, but we're gonna just try it. Please subscribe. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't even know how to tell how many subscribers we have, but please subscribe. It's I don't even think you. Yeah, we can't even tell what subscribe like we see they get like the estimate of downloads and numbers a week, but that's that's all, and we don't get paid for it. Like this is still a labor. Of love, we have. I mean, I'm really going like businessman here. If you would like to support the show, you can by becoming a. It's like a Patreon. What do we call it on on Anchor? Um, On Anchor, in the show notes, there's a link to support us, uh, and it's just I think it's just a supporting listener. Um, You can you can set it up uh, there. Yeah, there's a link in the show notes every week to throw a few pennies our way, and we we have a couple people. Yeah, we do. Really appreciate it. Uh, And the last thing that I'm going to, is I'm going through like the laundry list. It's late. I got to get up early. And so my mind is a little bit, it feels like we're in season mode where I just, you know, remember those late night games that we do the post game show and we would just, I don't even know what we would talk about. I'm kind of in that frame of mind, but I am writing. Uh, I don't know what to call it. It's kind of becoming like a thesis is like the closest thing that I can think of, but it's pretty satirical. Uh, So I don't really know what to call it. The best like comp that I can think of is, do you remember, did you ever read Shea Serrano's like dissertation that he did on the office episode? Yes. It's kind of like that. And so if you know what we're talking about, great. If you don't, sorry, like when it comes out, you'll, you'll get to see it, but uh, it's, becoming like a 20 25 page like miniature like i say a thesis whatever it is on what it's like to be a byu fan that's our age a byu fan who missed the glory days because it's different you know like i listened to my dad talk about the days and that is not my experience with byu you know they said something on this jets pod that i was on earlier this week and i loved it they closed the show by saying, don't let the Jets ruin your day. And that resonated with me because it's like, man, like BYU has broken my heart so many times that I've never tasted that forbidden fruit of undefeated, like the glory days people did. So I've started to write, I've got like nine chapters that I will be writing, nine or 10, I can't remember. And they're not long, it's like three or four pages each. And I'm writing like this thesis of, in a, a comical way, I hope people enjoy it of what it's like to be a BYU fan post the glory days. So that will be coming out. I want to make sure it's good. That will be coming out in the next few weeks. Between glory days. I want Ooh. it to be between glory days. Well, Let's have a, a little a flicker of hope in there somewhere. You, you, you have more faith than I do. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but with that, it's been a great night. I'll let you get off to bed. We will plan... And we will plan a get together, at least, you know, even if it's just, hey, we're going to be at this book hanging out uh, in Vegas. And we will plan that, uh, hopefully, I mean, I don't know, maybe we'll do a get together if we figure out what not like when going to a bees game, uh, when I'm up in Utah, and then going and doing recording at KSL, either before or after the game, we can figure that out too. Um, And, but until then, Jeff, until next week, give them hell. Give them hell.